Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Adam Schuster, our Vice President of Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Over the past 20 years, roughly 50% of Illinois House races have been uncontested. And for the first time in over 24 years, we're expected to have the most competitive elections in recent history. So Adam's going to talk to us about why this matters and what's changing and what we need to know moving forward as we can continue conversations about how to address voter suppression here in our state. So Adam, welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a very important topic and one that's, I mean, in the national news, people are talking about voter suppression all over the place. Uh, Unfortunately, Illinois has a really bad form of it. (laughs) Yeah, well, for this special topic, I decided to get laryngitis. So I'm sorry for sounding a little off, uh, but my enthusiasm for this topic and fixing the problem is not dampered. Um, But anyway, okay, so 50% of Illinois House races uncontested over the past two decades. What are the top line problems with that? So when there's not choice, right? Participation is meaningless. Democracy hinges on uh, the people being able to pick their representatives and then hold them accountable at subsequent elections. Uh, Without choice, there can be no accountability. So um, a lawmaker who doesn't have to face an opponent um, doesn't have to care ultimately what their constituents care about. Um, It increases the influence of special interest groups and it discourages regular people from even participating in the first place. Because uh, if you're a conservative in the city of Chicago, for example, and there's only ever a Democrat in your district, you don't see anybody who represents you, right, who matches your views. So you might think it's not even worth showing up to vote. And that's what our research found. On average, if there's only one candidate, voter turnout tends to be about seven percentage points lower, which over the last 10 years meant that 1.7 million votes were not cast because of these uncompetitive races. So the quick way to fix this would have been uh, ending the gerrymandered maps, right? That's right, because gerrymandering is the reason that people often don't run in these districts. When you have politicians picking their voters rather than voters picking their politicians, and they can manipulate lines in a map to pick who they want voting for them, they come up with these very lopsided districts that discourage challengers. uh, And that problem compounds when people don't run and then their people don't vote. What's so cool about this is that Well, this is not the cool part. We were promised by Governor Pritzker when he was campaigning that he would sign fair maps for the first time in a long time. Now, of course, that didn't happen. He went back on that promise. But we looked at this problem. We said, fine, you're not going to fix the problem. We'll help educate people, even in these really tough gerrymandered districts, so that voters really will have choice, right? So tell me about that. Yeah, so what we've been doing is just going out into these districts and historically uncontested districts, and it's a nonpartisan project for us. We're talking to Republicans, independents, third party people, um, but we believe that competition is good and that choice is good. Uh, And so we've been helping these people understand what do I need to do to get on the ballot? Uh, And then we've been helping them do it. Uh, And so when you can you know just go out there and and sort of lower the barriers to entry because uh, gerrymandering is probably the biggest barrier to entry, but it's one of many, right? There's the the process to get in the ballot is very complicated. You have to go door to door and you have to get a certain number of signatures. Um, you need 
attorneys to help you put together all the paperwork that you need to file for office. Uh, and then finally, oftentimes what happens is the incumbent or sort of the machine, um, the established powers that be, try to prevent competition. They don't want competition. And so they, they do what's called challenging the petition. So if somebody tries to run for office, uh, they challenge their petitions to try to get them thrown off the ballot because they'd rather not have competition. And so we helped these people navigate that whole process so that they can actually stay on the ballot. Yeah, you said something, barriers to entry. I think that's one of the most eye-opening things to me. You know, we've had, right now we have a billionaire governor. Previously, we had a millionaire governor. Um, and it's not just gubernatorial elections that where, where money matters. It was really eye-opening me, to me to understand that these people who just want to run for an Illinois House seat, they have to pay lawyers. There are election lawyers who make a lot of money off of this. You couldn't just be a, reg a regular person and get all the paperwork right. Um, and I understand that there are, there's a reason to make sure that everyone's very thorough and they do their due diligence. That's fine. But it shouldn't be prohibitively difficult for regular people to serve their community. It's really frustrating to me. It is very frustrating. And, you know, I don't think it's accidental. You, like you said, there are legitimate reasons for some of this, but there aren't legitimate reasons for much of it, right? And to me, one of those things is that uh, if you look at the imbalance in the requirements for a third party or an independent candidate compared to one of the major two parties, it's a lot harder if you don't want to pick one of the major two parties for you to get in the ballot. And meaning you have to get more signatures, right? Meaning you have to get more signatures, exactly. And, and, um, and you you can get them earlier. Uh, and that matters because um, somebody who circulates petitions for a major party candidate, so for a Democrat or Republican who goes door to door and gets people to sign the paperwork, cannot also do that for an independent. Mm -hmm. So they get to go first. They get they get to use up all the people. Uh, and then later on, the independent with less support has to get more signatures, right? And that's sort of a um, uh, a bipartisan um, barrier, right? It helps both Republicans and Democrats, um, but it's one of just many examples. The, you know, there's there's many other things that, that I could look at uh, barriers to entry. But, you know, the challenge process is is particularly a big one because uh, it's very convoluted. It's very hard to defend your petitions and know you know all the legal things you need to do, like you said. So even if you did do everything right, it's possible. Um, that you could get kicked off the ballot just for, you know, for failing at that step. So that's that's what we're helping people navigate. And we're trying to make it so, like you said, regular people can run for office. You don't need to kiss the ring, so to speak, right? You don't need to go to one of these established powers that be and get their blessing. Um, the only people that you should need the blessing of to run in the district is the people who live in that district. Uh, so this is a lot of work for regular people. Making that easier is a good thing. You know, helping people understand, well, here are the steps in the process. Um, okay, so we did that. This is going to be one of the most competitive election seasons we've had, the most competitive the most, election yeah. season that we've had in 24 years. So previously, 50% about of these House races were uncontested. Where are we now? Uh, at least 70% will be contested this year. We've helped recruit enough people that there's going to be um, 82 out of the 118 districts right now uh, would be contested. Uh, that number we expect will continue to grow. We'd love to see 118 out of 118 um, House seats uh, face an opponent. But already, this is the most competitive election cycle that Illinois has had possibly ever. You know, you said 24 years, but there's data limitations. We can only go back so far. This may be our most competitive election cycle ever. And more choice for, for people, for voters, will mean more participation. Um, and if 
things work out the way we expect based on past research in terms of uh, you know what competition does to voter turnout, we could have 4.3 million voters this year, an additional you know 120,000 roughly voters that will turn out just because they have an option. I was going to ask you that. How many more voters? That's amazing. Yeah. So it's r- roughly 120,000 more is, is about what you could expect, uh, which would give us the highest vote total for a non-presidential year in Illinois history. And this is good for democracy. I mean, you say what you want about this project, and and I'm sure there are lots of people who will. But at the end of the day, it's good to give more people more choice, right? I mean, because you talked about political accountability. If there's only one guy or one gal running for a seat for decades, what's their incentive to do what their their uh, their constituents want? Yeah, and and then the the other question is who do they answer to? Because if it's not their voters, if it's not their constituents, who are they working for? And I think, um, I mean, political science research, peer reviewed research is very clear on this. When you have less electoral competition, it brings down the influence of voters and it brings up the influence of insiders, special interest groups, and lobbyists. Um, and I think that's what's happening in Illinois because you you don't have to really care what you vote on. Um, if you don't have, if there's no other choice, or there's no way you can lose your election. So the only thing you care about is, well, who's helping me? And the people who are providing the funding, the people who are giving you the volunteers are special interest groups. Often in Illinois, that means government labor unions, um, but you know, there's, there's other groups as well. All right, so we've been talking in vague terms about people who live in districts where they don't have choice. But let's go and look at the data a little bit because this new research that we have looks at who is most affected by a lack of choice on the ballot. So what are the demographic trends that you found when you looked at where there were uncontested elections? So generally speaking, um, in districts without competition, you have higher minority um, uh, percentages of the population. So people who don't face a lot of or who aren't given a lot of choice are more likely to be black and Hispanic. They're also poorer, they have uh, less education, um, and they have uh, lower home values. So pretty much across the board, they're doing worse off than in the districts where people have choice and have competition. Um, And it's a bit of a chicken and the egg uh, problem. We're not trying to say that this is the entire reason those districts are that way, Um, but it also isn't helping, right? So uh, what those people need in those districts is somebody who's going to look out for them, somebody who's going to try to make our economy more fair, right? To bring up the, the, uh, the, the wages of the working poor, right? Um, somebody who's going to help with crushing property taxes uh, so I can more easily afford, afford my home. Um, and that's not what they're getting. They're not getting representation because, again, the state representative, the legislator, the lawmaker for their district has no incentive to look out for their interests because there's nobody who could come and beat them unless there's two candidates. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, I think, um, Interesting is a bad word. It's really terrible that this is the way it is uh, when you look at the data. It's totally unfair. Um, And I think people don't realize how important this issue is a lot of the time, too. In in all districts, across the state, people don't understand that the sausage gets made in the legislature Mm -hmm. and in their local governments. You know, we care a lot about presidential elections, but the places where the decisions that affect us most closely are made are in our village halls or in the state house in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm really interested to see what more choice leads to. You know, over time, what would you expect more competitive elections to mean for Illinois? Well, there's all sorts of issues that are sort of head scratchers, why the General Assembly won't do anything about them. Uh, term limits is one example. Um, something like 80% of voters support term limits. Another one would be fair maps. Like you said, Governor Pritzker campaigned on fair maps. Uh, you know, 76, 75 plus percent of people support fair maps uh, or even something like pension reform, right? So we've got polling that shows pension reform is broadly popular across Illinois, a constitutional amendment to allow for pension reform. 61% um, of voters overall support it, but that includes uh, super majorities of Republicans, Democrats, and independents. So why would the General Assembly not do something to fix the pension crisis, which objectively speaking is the state's biggest problem, you know, economically, just dollars and cents, um, its biggest problem, but they won't do anything to fix it, uh, even though the voters really, really seem to want it. Uh, and I think uncompetitive elections explains part of that story, right? Because uh, if the lobbyists and the special interest groups, in this case, the political leaders of the unions, not the rank and file members, but the political leaders of these government sector unions, if they don't want pension reform, that's who the politicians are answering to when there's no choice districts. They're not answering to the voters in their districts who are seeing their property taxes driven up by the pension crisis, who are seeing small businesses and other businesses flee the state and take the jobs with them because of the pension crisis. You know, we've got virtually every economic problem, low wage growth, low jobs growth can be traced back to pensions and they're not fixing it because they don't have the political incentive to do so. Well, this makes me really hopeful. I think that a lot of people in Illinois think it's really easy, or they don't think it's easy. They they just give up. They think, look, like you said, these lawmakers won't address the things that are making it hard for me to afford to stay in the state. And they have no confidence in the state's future. But to me, what's exciting is that we have a reason to have hope now. You know, if there's more competition, if more people are willing to step up and and do this work, you know, voters are going to have more choice. And that's great. That's good for everybody. It's good for our democracy. So Adam, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on this issue. And I hope that everybody has a little bit more hope in the outcomes. Yeah, I've got a lot more hope this election cycle. So I hope everybody else does too. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute, and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.